I'll stand by passengers, see me at the podium, your seat is empty. Non-Rev Lounge is a travel and aviation podcast. Monique, Laura, and Tyler are three friends that work for a major airline as gate agent, flight attendant, and ramp worker. During this podcast, they will discuss using their flight benefits to travel the world as well as talk about things that happen at work. They have guests on almost every week to share their travels and stories, leaving tips on the best places to travel or things to do. Enjoy. All right, welcome to the Nonrev Lounge. I'm Tyler. I'm Laura. And I'm Monique. And we're excited. We are finally back recording since Dallas. This is the first time we've had a guest have been back together. Mm-hmm. Realize that? Because we've been kind of together up in the parking lot and kind of just little things. But this is the first time we've been back. And I was talking with Monique on the way over here. Looking back at this year, we've had Kelsey from Columbus that came in. Mm-hmm. Beryl came in from Dallas. Matt and Millie from Standby Secrets came all the way down from Denver. Greg came in from UK. The UK, just for us. Oh, just for us, yeah. <laughs> and today we have Rico in from Atlanta. So that's so cool. Welcome to the show, Rico. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. It's good to see you again. It's nice to be invited to a lounge that allows non-revs. <laughs> 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 I hope good. no one important is listening. It's a jokey joke, kind of. Well, thanks for coming. Yeah, we, we, you came to Dallas, and I was really excited. We were, you were one of the people that, as you kind of said, yeah, I'm going to come. I was like, great, because I've been following you. We, we've been up for the camera. I've been kind of watching your trips for a couple of years now. And so we've been following you for a while, and I've always thought, oh, he's great. Like, he'd be a great guest. So even when we had Beryl on, remember, we talked with Beryl, on, and I said, you need to have a, an award for the best non-rev. Yeah. And I thought, your company, you probably would win that award. She was awesome. Oh, she was, wasn't she? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, so are you. You have a really giant personality. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was fun. You made everything fun. I'm glad. Do you why you're being snippy? Oh, yeah. Well, so this is the, (laughs) well, it's not me, but this is, this is the first week of June and it started a few weeks ago in May. You started being snippy a few weeks ago? I noticed that people on the ramp did. Like most people you think summer is, it's the good time of year, but in Phoenix, it's the opposite. It's like our Detroit in the winter, you know, it's the opposite. So it, when it starts getting to triple digits, the rampers starts like kind of attacking each other a little bit. Well, murder rates go up in the summer. Do they in Phoenix? Well, I don't know, if, but just in general. Oh, in general. Yeah, because the heat makes people I wonder if it goes crazy. down in Phoenix yeah. though because it's so hot, people don't want to be outside. Oh. Because in the winter, they would go down. So, yeah. But there was even the nicest people, one guy had said another ramper had said joke to him and he said where were you at just joking and he kind of like tore his head off someone that would never do that and it's just those it takes a few weeks to kind of get used to the the triple digits again so i bet chris from adventure junkies is not like that maybe he's pretty pretty relaxed he's pretty though. chill yeah but it is kind of interesting to see yeah people that well we had a maintenance delay that was supposed to take a half an hour the other day yeah and they had it done within 10 minutes like paperwork and everything they were we were ready now to push and ramp was gone like they had heard 30 minute delay and they took off. So then we had to sit there until they back. gathered them back up and bring them out. Yeah. So we pulled the Jetbridge back and we were just sitting there watching the plane going, when's ramp going to show back up? But yes, because it's so hot. They were like, forget this. We're out of here. Yeah. yeah. And to me, like I, this is my second time here, but I know that it gets hotter than this. So I was thinking about it today as I was walking around and uh, feeling the heat but gosh that's got to be miserable just as miserable in the winter for some of the stations that are up north yeah well you're from atlanta where it's going to be hot and humid too yes. so that's got to be miserable too Definitely. like at least here it's that dry i know i can just drink a ton and i sweat like crazy but then it cools you off but yeah i, I wonder if in the cold weather stations that we talk about if they kind of have that same it gets so cold that they kind of snippy or or if it's just like it's too cold that they're like more frozen and slowed down to <laughs> So, but it, it was interesting to kind of see that this last week as it kind of started to heat up again. I wonder if, up at the gates in Phoenix, people bid different in the summertime because we have monsoons at night. Okay. So people avoid the nighttime, like gate agents would rather work in the morning. So I wonder if it's like, is it opposite for you guys? Would you guys rather work at night where it's not in the sun or not necessarily? No, cause, uh, usually this summer I did bid different, but usually I always bid in the morning because it's the coolest time, 630 to 10, like my part-time shift. If I can be done by 10, that's the coolest time of day. But this summer, I went late night, and I went in the basement, which is air-conditioned anyway, so it's like the coolest place to be. It's so, just late so night. So what time does your shift start? 
eight thirty. It'll be eight thirty mm-hmm. to twelve thirty tonight. It's the red eye stuff. All our okay. I just want to make sure so he can walk my bags out to my car for me. Well, if you land at midnight thirty from, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's I, I avoid the heat too. I've been here long okay. enough that I, well, certain days I'll work it just to get my hours. But yeah, there was some like midday shifts that are high seniority take because it's so easy. It's like I don't want to be here at two o'clock on a Phoenix. So we're excited to have Rico here with us. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about your backstory, how you got into the airline industry? Yeah. Um, so I have two friends that were working in the industry. I was looking for a job that was a little closer to what I was trained to do and what I had been doing in my prior um, job. Uh, so the job that I got wasn't quite for me. It was more clerical in nature, but it got me in the door. And that was the important part. So one of the benefits that got me really in there was the flight benefits. And the job that I had before was in craft beer. You don't get into craft beer for the money. And you definitely don't get into it for the benefits except for just being able to drink lots of beer. (laughs) So I love craft beer, but my heart really wasn't in it. And I knew, especially after interacting with my friends that were in the industry, this is where I'm supposed to be. Well, that's so cool. Did you actually brew beer? No, I worked at a small craft beer bar um, in Atlanta. Yeah. It was one of the first growler stores Uh in Uh the state. And the original owners were actually the people who lobbied the, the, govern, or the government so that they could actually sell growlers. Oh. So it was one of the oldest in the state. That's great. But it closed down last year. It's kind of sad. Oh, that's really sad, especially when they were the you know grandfathers of everything. Yeah, for sure. So you knew that the job had the benefits. That was a, a big aspect of you getting that job in the airline industry. Yeah, definitely. When I saw heard about the flight benefits, I knew that that was something that I really enjoy. Cool. So what is it you do now for the, your company? So I'm the manager of aviation business analytics. I'm responsible for a small team of analysts who create reporting, deliver different types of analyses that pertain to our aviation portfolio of services. So I work for a very large ground handler in aviation services company. We provide all kinds of services to airports and to, uh, to airlines. So think of um, airport shuttles for the employees could be janitorial services, whether that's in the offices or in the airport, the areas that belong to those airlines. We do all the above wing, below wing. So gate agents, ramp agents, cabin cleaning, uh, de-icing, you name it, we do it. Um, we also have a division in security as well. So pretty large companies got um, a presence in over 200 stations. Oh. And uh, again, my area of expertise is really in like data for flights. So we work with the airlines to procure their data. And the goal is we can use that to analyze our operations so we can see how well we're performing. And we want to look at those things that are important to our customers so we can make sure that we're performing up to their standard and that we can continue to get better. For our senior leaders, they rely on us to help understand what's happening because you can go and talk to station leaders and they may feed you a line or something. But the numbers are there and they don't really lie. No. So I spend a lot of time just digging into data um, and I'm sort of the subject matter expert when it comes to anything flight data related. So think, you know, scheduled departure time, actual departure time, how many passengers are on the plane, how many bags are loaded, all the details that go into a flight could be the, the tied inbound flight as well. So we can see when that arrives. But yeah, I spend a lot of time just analyzing airline data, which is really cool. And not just one airline, it's multiple airlines. I understand. So I have a pretty unique perspective because I get to understand operations at more than one airline and and they're detailed operations. So I get to see how everyone does something a little different. And there are days I'm like, man, if this airline just did what this airline did, they would be really awesome. See? Hmm. Yeah. So you were telling us in Dallas, you said, do you work um, 100% remotely or do you go to the office like just a few days a week? I usually go in one one day a week. Okay. So you're pretty free to travel the world. Yeah. And the thing about it is I get a lot of people, my friends specifically, that always ask, like, you're gone all the time. When do you work? And I have the freedom to work remotely, but I don't like to work when I'm out on trips. Yeah. I mean, who wants to work from a hotel room when you got a beach and a pool sitting in front of you outside the balcony? So I minimize that work piece as much as possible. I may take a few little days here and there for PTO, but I don't want to be doing that while I'm out. Now, can I do it? Absolutely. But I try to make the best of my trips and work around 
having to actually work. The good thing about that flexibility means if I need to fly somewhere to get a good seat, well, I can do that. This year, Detroit has been one of my best friends because they've had a lot of seats available in business class. So I know there was one time I had to leave on the very first flight of the day because if I didn't, I wouldn't make it there in time. So I was able to start my work day. I could work from the airport. I can work on the airplane as long as the Wi-Fi is strong and good. And then I spent the rest of my work day in the airport. Just easy. Got my laptop. There you go. That's nice. perfect. Well, that's what I found out that the Seb and Nicole, Seb just got a new job with his airline and it's a hundred percent remote. He was kind of like that one day a week and now, so he could yeah. live anywhere. He doesn't have to live in Chicago anymore. I mean, he could do that. And he used to be a U.S. diplomat, so he's used to living all over the world. So that's quite the flexibility. I feel, I feel like we have pretty good flexibility, but not quite like not that. Not like that, yeah. yeah. And you know, there are some airlines that don't actually have a lot of flexibility. They are in the office 100% of the time. So that's not something that I'm really willing to give into right now. That's just not worth it. The flexibility and, I have is what I need. Detroit is your oasis. It has been this year. It's like a little secret oasis. And it, it's not that people don't know about it, but they probably just don't immediately look at it. Well, I wouldn't look at that. So, yeah. Yeah. It's one of the airports that I've traveled through the most in six years. So, you have United and Delta Benefits. And mm -hmm. I know you used to go to the the lounge that we yeah. talked about. <laughs> was that pretty emotional for you getting that taken away? I was not happy about it. And yeah. I think I deserve some time to, to be unhappy about it. I mean, you can come up with all kinds of arguments, right? And a lot of non-refs are like, it's not us. You know, there are times when the lounge is completely empty and it's going to be completely empty when there are no banks of flights going out. So if you're staying there for an extended period of time, I mean, they limit you anyway. You're not allowed to be in there until three hours prior. Oh. So it is very arguable as to whether or not non-refs were a problem, to yeah. be honest. I, I miss having the lounge. And actually, the flight that I told you about with Detroit was one of the first times I didn't have lounge access. So normally, I would just go to the lounge and I could work from there. Instead, I had to go and find an empty gate. And I'm sitting there with my laptop just like, <laughs> oh, gosh, I'm kind of hungry. Like a peasant. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it felt really weird. <laughs> but um, yeah. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. Mm -hmm. I have to go pay for my coffee now. Yeah. And, you know, airport food is really expensive. So that was one of the best benefits about having that membership was Every time I went to the airport, I wasn't spending $20, 30 $40. Um, and in the past, I used to be the worst at getting to the airport on time. And one of my friends that used to travel with me, she can attest to it because she dealt with my shenanigans for years when we traveled. <laughs> but you would be lucky to see me at the gate 30 minutes prior to departure. I would always push it. And I missed a lot of flights as a result. So when I got the membership, I'm like, okay. I'm going to show up early now, so I make sure that I get some time in the lounge. The standby secretist last week said that his, they went into that lounge, and it's still packed. Mm -hmm. So it made no difference. Yeah, I don't see that it makes a difference. I've been through the airport at certain times, and you see the lines that, that exist. And one of the big issues that Delta has is you just can't build another lounge. There's not a whole lot of space inside the airport that yeah. they can lease. So there's only so much they can do about it. and. I don't know what the actual solution is. Um, they're trying a new concept where they're doing kind of like a grab and go. Um, and oh, I someone, heard about that. Yeah, somebody made a little joke about it. They're like, uh, so you're making a lounge that's kind of like a, um, what's the store, WH Smith? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, mm. Yeah, I like that airport. But I think that's one way store? that they uh -huh. want to, yeah, there's some people who just want to get a quick bite to eat. They don't want to sit for a while, so that's fine. Yeah. Have you looked at other things now, like priority passes or? I considered it. Um, I And it was interesting because when Connor's show was on, he talked about credit cards and how they're not for some people. Yeah. They're not for me. So I don't have all the airline credit cards yeah. with the points and whatnot. Um, I thought about the Priority Club um, membership, but there's only one in Atlanta. That's a bit, and, yeah. And I that's, think about some it. of the places then like. It's yeah. not for you. It's yeah. not for me. So now I am responsible. I'm a changed man because I do show up <laughs> on time. <laughs> so I'm there at least an hour, sometimes 40 minutes prior to departure. But um, yeah, with the lounge, I, I miss that. I specifically would make time to go early Before that, just yeah. for that. Well, that's what the party pass. They don't have Phoenix. They don't have Salt Lake. They don't have LA. And like, those are my top three places I go to. So 
if I think it's more international, but yeah. And their pricing plan didn't work very often or what didn't work well for me because if I'm not going very often, then it's not worth paying for that much. Yeah. And a lot of adults employees were pretty upset because they were, they got these credit cards because of that. Sure. And I think they ended up getting some kind of deal with the airline where they were, they had a discounted rate or something. So see, I have the executive card for ours because I wanted to go to the lounge. Mm -hmm. So you had said that, uh, because you, you think you explained it to me, you pay the taxes on your Imputed flights? taxes. Imputed income. So if you have a registered companion or what is it called? The cheerio line? I'm not sure. Just an, a registered yeah. guest. They, registered guest. They change it, but yeah. It's one of the, yeah, companion yeah. or guest. Yeah. Yeah, Each airline's a little different. It was United. They call it a enrolled friend or something like that. But basically when you have a travel companion, you have to pay some form of taxes, right? Yeah. And all it comes down to is the IRS says, hey, wait a minute. Those flights that you're getting, it kind of looks like it's income. So if it looks like income, you need to be taxed on it. Yeah. Your airline can tell you, hey, we'll give you, and the taxes end up being the taxes on the fair market value of the ticket. Well, they can give you the fair market value of the ticket. If you have a flight and it costs $100, they can say, hey, I'm just going to add it to this cool little bucket that's on your paycheck. It'll cover that flight. But it gets taxed. So, you know, that $100 actually becomes, let's say, $95. And then you pay the extra five. But you said you you were kind of like the top in your company, right? Yeah. You won that award. <laughs> you were the number one. <laughs> yeah, for a while. I've toned back on the travel a little bit. But that was one way that you could measure I traveled the most. And it only applied to a group of us because the, the company went through joint venture change. And there's some of us that have different benefits. But, yeah. The way the industry works is, like, you don't have to pay any imputed income taxes on your flight benefits. The IRS has an ex- uh, exemption for aviation employees and their families, which is why you have a registered guest. You have to pay the imputed income taxes. Okay. Every told me that I was like, it's gonna. You're kind of proud about that. I'm, I'm number one. I'm the, yeah. I'm the highest spender. <laughs> and because my company isn't wholly owned by an air an airline, that's the reason why I have to pay imputed income taxes because we don't qualify for the exemption so it's still a drop in the bucket compared to buying tickets totally compared to how much the value of the tickets that my family and i have racked up over six years uh, it's in the hundreds of thousands of dollars do you keep track how mm-hmm. much if you were to buy tickets yeah yeah like I, I talked about doing that when we went to germany with just my wife and my son the round trip would have been what is eighty five thousand dollars for the mm-hmm. one round trip so and we paid Six hundred dollars for the taxes on yeah. the two Z bears. I mean, I've had plenty, especially it's the international trips that really have added up for me. But you know, one round trip in business class can be fourteen thousand dollars. Yeah, easy, easy. Because you made a, a post on your about last year, and I want to talk about the numbers there. How many flights you taken? Remember that? Yeah, last year it will go down in history as my record travel year. It will not happen again. Um, that was kind of the outlier. You're not trying to top it this year. Absolutely not. (laughs) And it it really does get exhausting. I think after two years of similar numbers, I've just kind of burned out. So uh, I've also sort of, I don't want to say run out of destinations, but I've hit so many destinations in the networks for the airlines that benefits for. So now I've got to change my strategy up a little bit and maybe I want to revisit some cities that I still have things I want to do. Whereas a lot of my trips are real short, easy weekends, and I just knock out a whole th- lot of things and just power right through it with no sleep. Is part of it the fact that it's harder than not enough? Because in the last three years, like I was thinking the other night, during COVID, I mean, you wouldn't even have looked at the flight today. You would have just been like, I'm just going to go. And you would have probably got on. Like, yeah. There were so many open flights that I feel like you kind of glance at it, but you'd be like, they're so open. I mean, I mean, and I mean, I'll say it now, but. Uh, during COVID, I did travel a fair amount that year. Um, I think I ended up for the year with around like 46 flights. Um, my friend and I managed to travel safely. We always wore a mask and yeah. took all the precautions. I had one friend and he would post things on his Instagram about him traveling and he would get people like, like death threats about it. Oh. So there was a lot of travel shaming. I, mean, I barely posted anything during those times. But uh, my friend and I, we had a lot of great trips. One of my favorites was we went to Turkey. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. Went to Istanbul for a couple of days. So we flew from Atlanta to 
London and then from London to Istanbul. And we had a great time. But it was interesting because we did go to some other countries and also some other states to see how they were handling COVID different than where we lived. And it was that would be fascinating, really. Yeah, it was really different. When we left Turkey, you couldn't have your bag in the overhead bin. And you had to check that bag. And then they do some kind of sanitizing process before it goes on the plane. Hmm. So I didn't quite fogged understand it. that. They and they weren't social distancing on public transportation. So very But your bag odd. was the issue. Your bag was the issue. <laughs> <laughs> it was strange to sit next to someone in public transportation at that point. Okay, so for 2020, because of COVID, you only had 46 flights. Mm-hmm. But you said last year was your best ever. Can you give me a number? Yeah, it's a crazy number. It was 112 flights. Wow. Wow. Yeah, 112 flights, 170,000 miles. <gasps> So that's the equivalent of 20 round trips uh, from Atlanta to London Heathrow in a year. Jeez. Mm, that's like 4,500 miles each way. Yeah. And yeah. those are no, no, those aren't work trips. Like those aren't. Yeah, no. I don't really travel for work. So, so those are all just those are, for fun. Just for yeah, you. yeah. Um, and, and my travels have been, especially in the last several years, it's a combination of visiting family and friends and leisure travel. Um, I was dating someone for a while that lived in Nashville, and I was traveling back and forth between there. He was my travel companion at some point, so we used to travel all the time, and that's part of the reason why I was never at home. <laughs> and then we had it. I had a pretty bad breakup, and that was during 2022. So my non-rev benefits were sort of like that way of helping the healing process, keeping my mind off things. And I never was at home. So for the months between April and August, that's really where the bulk of my trips were. I traveled, uh, I think 62 flights and it's a majority of these miles. It was 110,000 miles. Wow. I mean, I was everywhere. I went to Madrid. I went to Dublin. Um, I think it was in Amsterdam. I went everywhere and I traveled a lot back and forth between Las Vegas. I have a sister and brother there, so it's not unusual for me to go there once a month. Cause I've ever seen you a lot in Vegas too. Mm-hmm. Well, so travel therapy. Yeah, yeah, it definitely was. And it was a good way to regain my independence. You know, and we used to be joined at the hip, but once that ended, it was awkward because you know, I traveled by myself before it was in the picture. No big deal. Right. But, it, it was still odd to get back into that. I think it's that fear of being alone again. That fear of being alone is nothing compared to the feeling, the feeling of being in a relationship and feeling alone. So it took some time to get past that. But there is that silver lining that those non-rev benefits, that travel really was there for me in a time that I needed to reset, relax a little bit. And I definitely did. Uh, Greece was a great trip for me. Oh, that would be it fabulous. It was beautiful. And these are all really short trips. So it's you know, during the weekend times, just whatever I can do to hop on flights. Is it only late flat seats or would you go just to, you know, you're- I would go if there weren't, but I tended to find. Go for those flat. Yeah. yeah. And that if means. If you have I, options, that's the one. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I am not afraid to jump from hub to hub. I'll take three flights if I have to get it. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Sounds like us. Well, some of us. Well. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, a little difficult. It was difficult on my body. People were like, aren't you tired? Absolutely, I'm tired. Uh, during the month of February, it's my birthday at the end of the month, and I always like to travel every single weekend. So this year was no exception. In the six weeks uh, between, I think it was about the end of January and the end of February, I took five really long trips. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So... The first trip was, I mean, wasn't that far, but I went to Cabo. Um, the second trip was to Tokyo. Oh. One of my longest flights I've ever taken. Um, I went to Amsterdam and also went to Honolulu. Oh, yeah. Quick little trip to Toronto. I have some friends up there. And then the last trip I took, which was on my birthday, was to London. Oh, yeah. London is nothing to me. I love London. So I can go there all the time. I, plus one of those weekends is three-day weekend. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> That was a really good month to travel. I know on Staff Traveler, they had the, you know, they posted a little message about it being green, like a really good month to travel. And it generally is. So, wow, that's yeah, great. it's a good month. I had really great seats the entire month. Everyone's still poor from Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. 
That's what I wish my kids had because they have the traditional school. So their summers are off when everyone's off. Spring break matches everyone else. Fall break. I wish they had like the the family in Chicago. Family on standby. Yeah, family on standby. No, no it's, it's yeah. the non ref family. It's a, yeah, non ref family. Yeah. But their kids are on a year round. So mm. they have weird times. So. They they were actually a little bit of my inspiration going to Tokyo because oh, really? I remember watching their trip to Tokyo and that seems really awesome. Oh, and they went to the cat cafe. Yeah, that was kind of cool. Yeah, I thought that it's was a little really different, cool. but I didn't. I'm a go big to the fan cat of cafe. them. <laughs> yeah, they, they they just went. To, I think um, was it Turks and Caicos or something. They stayed a they really did. nice Airbnb. It was really nice. Yeah, that was like during our, our Dallas thing. So because mm-hmm. I was hoping they would come down, and we could meet them too. But yeah, yeah, they do some cool trips and and their their kids time off at. Yeah. That's what what's hard when you have kids is like you have to match up with and my kids is the same as everyone else in the world. So right now. <laughs> yeah. It could change. To, or even when they're in college, it doesn't change. Well. It yeah. doesn't, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I guess. Get used to it for the next twenty four years. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thanks for the reminder. <laughs> so what do you tell us about a, a trip or um, destination or experience you had? I know you did the uh, Dubai recently, or maybe you got a fun stuff you can kind of tell us about in detail. So I really enjoyed the trip to Dubai. It was different in that I stayed a little longer than I would typically stay. I actually took some PTO and I have plenty of it. I just don't really use it that much. How many days did you stay? I was there three days. Okay. And the best part was my departing flight was, it was on a Tuesday at like 2 a.m., so I still had the whole entire day on Monday and I used every bit of that time. It was a trip that I meticulously planned for, like super meticulous. And I'm, I generally am that way anyway, but I had my heart set on this trip way before they actually started the route. So sometime you know, closer to the end of last year, when they made the announcement, I was really excited because they're the first U.S. carrier that has a direct flight into Dubai and they have a deal with Emirates. So I knew like I really wanted to fly on that flight. So I watch the flight as it gets closer and closer and just totally make a rookie mistake. Like, don't get your heart set on numbers <laughs> that you know look okay now. It's a month or so out. Yeah. And I thought, well, maybe people just aren't familiar with United having that flight, right? No, I was wrong. And <laughs> I had my heart set on it. I thought I could non-rev. It just wasn't going to happen as it got closer. So it started, the flight started on um, March 25th. And of course the flight was full then, but a couple of days later, there were like 60 empty seats and guess what? 60 non-revs went to Dubai. <laughs> so you know what happens when 60 non-revs go to a city? They have to come back oh. and all of the return flights started to get full. And not to mention all of the people that were traveling, they had a ton of seniority. And then United has these vacation passes where they will waive some of the fees that they have to pay. Everybody was pulling those out. So it was definitely not going to happen for me. And I was like, what am I going to do? I had planned so much in advance. I don't typically do this, but I booked things that I knew would sell out and they were a little flexible, but by that point it was too late. So not much, but there were things I knew, like if I don't make it, I'm just kind of losing money on it. So I'm looking at the numbers and trying to decide whether or not I'm going to non-rev. Again, my heart's already in it. And I finally said, forget it. I'm just going to splurge a little bit. I bought a discounted ticket with United and it felt great once I hit that purchase button because to have that certainty, like to have a confirmed seat, (laughs) it feels really good, especially when you non-rev so much and you're just constantly on standby waiting there, hoping that you get a seat. So when you showed up at the gate, were you like suckers? Because you're like boarding is there all standing by waiting. Yeah, it was awesome. (laughs) I flew there in the um, economy class and then I flew back in Polaris, which was really nice because (gasps) I was wiped out. I planned really no time for sleep. So I ate my food and then I basically knocked off for that that flight. That's great. It's a beautiful city. It's like its own world. I mean, it's very new. Everything's very clean. Uh, 90% of the people in Dubai are expats, so you don't really have a lot of true Emiratis that live there. Uh, They all are pretty wealthy. It's a little expensive, but I managed to get some good deals. I always use airline deals. And the hotel that I stayed at the first night, I picked it because it was still nice. It's a Hilton Garden Inn, but I paid $58 total. (gasps) I remember seeing your post, and I was like, wow, that's pretty... It's ridiculous. And and the hotels, to me, were super affordable. It's like, why are they so affordable? I don't know. But things like food, especially alcohol, was really expensive. And what month was this again? This was in at the end of March. So okay. I left on the 31st, and then I came back, I think, on the 2nd of April. 
Mm-hmm. It happened to be also during the month of Ramadan. Oh, okay. So I was concerned that that might affect my trip, but it really didn't. Because in Dubai, again, you have 90% expats now. The religion is still part of their culture. And there are certain places that they had adjusted hours as a result of it. But for the most part, it didn't affect the trip. So what were some of the things that you paid for in advance because you wanted to make sure you could do them? Yeah, so there's uh, the world's tallest. or Yeah, it's the world's tallest 360-degree infinity pool. It's called the Aura Sky Pool. So it's four-sided and it overlooks not only the city, but it overlooks, I don't know if you've ever seen that man-made island that looks like a palm tree. It's called Palm Jumeirah. And there's all kinds of stuff in the news about it for years because it's super, super expensive to live there. I mean, millions of dollars. But there's part of the building that faces that. And it's incredible to have that kind of view. And especially to be in an infinity pool. So it wasn't really that expensive either. It was about 70 bucks. Okay. That reserved me a chair on the first row right there next to the pool. So I booked that in advance to make sure that I had it and it was changeable up to like, I think 14 days. So I'm like, all right, at 14 days, if it doesn't look good, maybe I just reschedule it and at least I don't lose it. But it's like, all right, if this is the one thing that I have to sacrifice, then okay. That's real cool. So what, what floor was it that the pool one? I think it was on the 52nd floor. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the building is called, the, uh, it's the Palm and it, the pool's actually in the St. Regis Hotel. So okay. you enter through the St. Regis and then take an elevator up to the top. Even awesome. just the views, but to be in a pool to see the views is yeah. like super that would be cool. cool. Yeah. yeah, and it's an infinity pool, so it makes it even cooler just from a look perspective. You can swim the full 360 degrees. They have some partitions at the corners that you just kind of go underneath. But you choose which side, and I wasn't paying attention when I booked it because I probably would have booked the palm side just because it's a nicer view. But the view that I had was still nice, so... I mean, at one point I was so tired, I was falling asleep. (laughs) (laughs) You have some pictures from that we can share? Yeah. Perfect. We'll put some of those up again. I remember seeing those. Another thing, you were out on the boat. What was that? Yeah. So um, I booked a couple of tours through this website. It was really easy to book these. The company that actually provided the tour is called Oceaneer. And I did two. The first day I did a desert safari type deal where you you go in – like a four by four, an SUV that they drive all crazy in the desert and stuff. They also do sandboarding and didn't like sandboarding because I don't have great balance. So I fell. And it's like wakeboarding, but on the sand. Yeah. No, well, it's more like uh, snowboarding. Oh, but okay. On sand. So I fell and that sand just, it stays on you. It's impossible <laughs> to get off, to fall in. Um, they also had additional add-ons. So I went four-wheeling in the desert, which was really fun and got my hand slapped because I was going too fast. <laughs> oh. And I got to ride a camel. Oh, cool. Oh. And it was like five minutes. So it was perfect because I don't want to sit and ride a camel for 30 minutes. <laughs> no. That five minutes was perfect. <laughs> Take a couple pictures. I'm good to go. And then the, the boat trip was a, a lunch boat trip. So they provided like a little buffet lunch. It's really small and intimate. It was about eight people. There was a family. That's nice. Yeah, there was a family and then um, a couple of guys and maybe I think one other person. But you, know, you have a, a yacht. It's two levels. You can sit wherever you want. And they go around the, the canals of Dubai so you get to see all the buildings and things. Aww. And then they typically will go further, like all the way around the Palm Jumeirah Island. But there was a family on that had kids, and it was really choppy. So they were like, well, we're not going to do that. But they did take you through some really beautiful areas, uh, the Dubai Marina areas, where they have all of these huge yachts. But it's, there's also, like, a great beach, people partying everywhere with boats and things like that. So, Because it's Dubai, it's probably not. I mean, you have to wear a swimsuit. Yeah. Just I, wondered. Just wondered. <laughs> I, you still see a lot of people that, they wouldn't necessarily follow cultural norms. People wear what they want to wear. There were certain times when I wore things that I think were a little more modest. I went to a mosque. Oh, yeah. The largest mosque in the UAE. So I said, all right, let me just cover Be respectful. up a little bit more. Yeah. And it's, yeah. To me, it's really important to respect the culture of wherever I'm at. So I wanted to be respectful. And I wore like a very hot long sleeve t-shirt and jeans. And it's all white, so when the sunlight hits that, it gets really hot. But sacrifice, right? Yeah. And I enjoyed myself. Good fun three days. Yeah, I got so much done. And I think it's got to be one of my favorite trips because, one, I plan so meticulously. And, two, there's no good, there's no feeling like a plan that really comes to fruition, like it worked out. So yeah. 
there's very little that I wasn't able to squeeze in, shift my plans a little bit here and there, but everything that I scheduled, I did it. That's great. So once you booked those tickets, did you look back just to justify those oh, good purchases? You too, with the looking back. <laughs> <laughs> or what you're booking, you're like, oh man, it doesn't matter. I, yeah. When I booked them, I was like, I'm, that's it. It doesn't matter. No okay. look backs. Was this one of your solo trips? Yeah. Very cool. Yep. Okay, so you must Zed. Most most places or not really? No, not really. Uh, I use it primarily for backup. Uh-huh. Um, but it's something that I feel like a lot of airline employees probably know about. Mm-hmm. But maybe, I think Connor even mentioned it, it's a little intimidating. Yes. Um, I think Staff Traveler makes that a lot less intimidating first. Uh, but you have to look at the benefit of it. And it really serves two purposes, right? So if you're not able to get on a flight and you want to look at the other flights for other airlines that may be able to travel on wherever you're at, right? But the second benefit is it extends your airline's network. So for places like Bali, I know a lot of people like to go there. I don't think there are American airlines that actually go out there. So you really have to extend yourself to use those ads to get to places that are a little more exotic and out there than you would have on an American carrier. So yeah, the Zed can be a little intimidating. Once you use it, it's just like non-rev benefits that you already have. I like that. That's a good point. Yeah, so I could think I always kind of assumed if you listen to our podcast, you probably are the same as us and they're definitely people like us, but there's definitely different levels. And we put something out on Instagram recently and Dane, the dentist from Salt Lake, he said, you should do a, like a, 101 like a non-rev 101 like basic i said what are you talking about you you're already like you've got benefits like you've done this for a couple of years and he's like still like there's a lot of stuff and he's just getting his zeds now because oh. he's he had the benefits as a guest and now he's got his own so he's never really so i kind of was writing him stuff that i kind of assumed that people already did but so through the mighty travel so you explained it great and I'll, just along with that just the just how much it does open up. Like, well, I was looking with my wife places we could go and we don't fly to really anywhere. The South Pacific, like mm-hmm. you said, like, and so I was requesting loads to the Fiji and Tahiti. Cause, but I mean, the tickets to buy wings to be so expensive, but you can fly there for a couple hundred dollars. Round yeah. Trip. You have lots of options too. So you've got Emirates, you've got, um, sit through Doha, um, you guys, I can't think of the name of the airline. Guitar. Yeah. There yeah, you yeah. go. So you have lots of options. Yeah. So there's a lot of places that we can go that if you just are willing. So I think the most part, like you, if we can fly for free, you're going to do your own airline. You're going to what you can have, but that backup is huge. And then, and then also just like being able to look at the world differently because of those options that you have the, like right now, Lara's in Dublin when the show comes out and and you kind of mentioned that you had bought tickets we'll get we talked about already and we will have oh (laughs) and but when you told me that you bought tickets i was like i think i could still have got there like i think i could still have you did tell me that use different zeds and you know get to london and and also the fact that i'm super cheap like i'm so Yes. Well, we were, yeah, we were stymied by the girl that couldn't ride in the jump seat. Yeah. So you had that little issue, but I think I still would have said like, I'll meet you there, but (laughs) yeah, I feel the same way. But if you can, yeah, get around and then you just, with the ability to just see those loads, then that's so. It makes a huge difference because, and I know pretty much everybody in aviation is familiar with my ID travel. Um, It's not the best tool in the world <laughs> and it happens to be the one tool that all the airlines in the world use so uh, there are lots of bugs and it's not always easy to navigate and the smile system that they have set up is not very reliable at all useless yeah it's yeah pretty much useless there are some airlines that don't provide their load information there are some that don't p- provide complete load information and it's confusing a lot of times they just got a bunch of jumbled up letters and numbers like what exactly does that mean fair yeah. classes but sometimes they're overselling that's when it's really challenging i think staff traveler takes some of that anxiety out of using zed do you guys any of you do you do anything to kind of try to get loads like you you can look a week out and see what does the flight look like right but do you do anything else to kind of have a feel of how it's going to be 
So for instance, I'll do something like, it was like in real estate, they call it comps. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. comps. Uh-huh. But you kind of do that for flights. Where, Explain that to me a little more. So next week we may fly to Cancun. Okay. On Friday. So on this Friday, I look to see how the flights look. Oh, okay. I know it's not exact. It's, I mean, things can change next week's a holiday. So it's, and so you, and you're going to have to find a comparison. Like you can't look at how does Europe look at the beginning of December? Cause I want to go on Christmas Eve. Like it's not going to be the same at all. But if you can find something else that is kind of comparison, I do that a lot. Do you guys ever do that? Uh, there was a time when I would and I'll glance at it. But because I know that the numbers fluctuate, like it's ridiculous how much they fluctuate. It's hard to find a comparison. It's, yeah. It and, is really hard to yeah. compare. And there are a lot of there are a lot of attributes to go into yeah. whether or not it's going to be busy that time. Could you have IROPS the day before? Yeah. You know, or a storm. Or a storm that pops Which up. Which is IROPS, I'm sorry. Yeah. Or yeah. cancellations that may affect that. Even cancellations on other airlines. I think that's probably one of the worst. It's like, all right, well, they cancel and then all of a sudden now your airline's flight is full. Yeah, yeah, there's a... Totally out of your control, something you can't predict, and it's not fun. But if you could look and say, like, oh, that's going to be crazy full, because then maybe you look at other options, because maybe you well, can find those holes of places that are still... Well, I would not ask our mom to do that, because she always looks at, like, three months out, and she's like, flights look great. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Absolutely, like, they look great. Yeah, she's just like, it's green, and we're like, well, everything's green. Well, yeah. even, like, one of the options that I was looking at was uh, flying to Sao Paulo to Rio. Mm-hmm. And so I Did got you want to meet me there? It's going to be before you, though. Rude. It sounds fun, <laughs> though. But so one of the th- ideas I, I put in for requests on, on Latam, Latam and mm-hmm. on Goal, I just want to see how fast they're, I can get numbers back. So if I got down to it, I could see which one would get me numbers back quicker. I feel like you're going to get a faster response from Latam, but um, you know, Goal's a little small over yeah, there. Yeah, so I could kind of ju- just do those little tests to kind of see like, how do developers look? I know that's not, but I just do little things like trying to find out. So when it comes down to like crunch time, I can kind of know like, okay, this flight usually might have a few more seats open. Well, so I had, there were three um, coworkers that just went to Africa to do like a big trip and they were going, I think here to London and then somewhere else. They may even stop in, in Dubai probably went or to something like Amsterdam that. and then Amsterdam down. Well, I think they stopped in Dubai, I want to say, and then down or something wow. like that. But they were that so they kept watching one of the routes and they would come in the break room every day and be like, It's oversold by fifty in the back, but somehow they make it work every day. Every day to be one. And so that's what I was like, it's kind of that that's same a idea. Comp. Yeah, yeah. 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 They, they, every day they were watching it, but they were like, You you would freak out because you'd see these numbers and think it's not gonna work and then it always seemed to work out. So they made it there. Yeah. There's that's there's good. certain places that if you can like people, the airlines, maybe like, I don't know if you do have, but other, other people can look at last year's data and they'd be like, this flight would have had seats. I can. I have. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah. There's so, a lot I, that I can see that a lot of people don't see. So I have a little bit of leg up on that, but. Things can change year to year too, because maybe absolutely. they flew at 757 and this year flight at 737. So yeah. that's fewer seats. Like, but there's little things, but I, know, I, I think that, and maybe that's, this is all I've talked about is not really real. It just makes me feel like I'm more in control of being able to find. But I feel like as I sit and research, then I can, you know. Make a more better, educated. Yeah. Well, I've got like, the best travel tip. I have the best travel tip. Jump seat. Nope. Oh. <laughs> Take a look at the uh, Taylor Swift tour. Yeah. Look at those weekends because those are the weekends you don't want to go to that city. Or apparently Luke Combs, because my friend Shelly that was on the show, she was oh, yeah, trying Shelley. to get up to Boise this weekend, and she missed our flight was full, Southwest was full. She ended up flying to Idaho Falls and then driving like the four-hour drive over because mm-hmm. she was not going to get to Boise. And so I was on Staff Traveler finding like, I actually went just on Flight Radar at Boise seeing like, okay, who, what flights are going yeah, into Boise? That's a good tip. And then went over to yeah. Staff Traveler and like asked for loads on every single one. Everything was zeroed. And I was like, girl, you ain't getting to Boise. Yeah. So also, I mean, T-Swift yeah. and Luke Combs. I went to Nashville, I think it was probably now almost three weeks ago. Yep. And I had no idea that she was there. <laughs> <laughs> so Nashville is just typically a difficult def- uh, destination to get to anyway. Those flights are pretty full. But- I'd committed to go with some friends already. So I'm like, I got to get there. We're going to a beer festival. 
Um, and I was sweating bullets the entire day. I was so stressed out about it because things looked bad. Um, and I managed to make it on a Friday night. Yeah. Wow, that's good, right? Yeah. And then I was worried about getting back on Sunday. And Sunday was... This rain. It was... Yeah, it was horrible because my flight kept getting delayed, delayed, delayed. By the time I got to the airport, it looked like it was going to take off. Thank goodness. But they ended up canceling some other flights that were going <gasps> to Atlanta. So it's like, yes, I happen to make it. Oh, good. good. My daughter was at that rained out concert. Oh, so she was. In yeah. Nashville, so. I, again, I had no idea what was going on. And then I heard somebody talking about it when I got on the plane to go to Nashville. I thought, oh, gosh, I've got to deal with three days of this. <laughs> was it the squeals? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And you'd see Swifties on the street as well. So. Swifties. Yep. <laughs> with their friendship bracelets. Mm, it was interesting. Was that the first time back to Nashville after the breakup? Uh, no, I'd flown through there because Southwest is a good like way to get back to Atlanta sometime. Okay. Oasis City. And you know, Nashville has that's one of their operating hubs, so oh. they have a lot of flights that go out of there. Uh, and Atlanta, uh, Delta has a lot of flights that go back and forth, but I know that airport pretty well, so I can tell you all the routes. I know them all. That's nice when you kind of have that feel of that. Well, cool. Well, hopefully, those little tips or things about doing that, I would just encourage people to, if you haven't or you don't, to look at the Z options. If you have questions, write us on social media. Use them, just use them. And it's just like your non-rev benefits and it's reduced rate standby travel. But Monique, you you brought up one of the best tips that I can give to people is use a flight radar 24 because you can zoom in on an airport, pick that airport and then look at their arrival board and say, okay, well, here's all the flights that are coming in. Now I can go and look at these cities. That's what I was doing when I tried to get to Phoenix. It's like, all right, yeah, I can look and see what kind of flights... It helps, especially when you try to mix your airline's benefits with another airline, because there's no tool out there that's like, oh, well, I want to travel on Southwest and my airline. Go and search for the best option to get me to Phoenix. You got to do the legwork on your own. Yeah, and sure. it's totally possible. I did the same thing yesterday when you asked me, how do we go to Boise? Yeah. So I went to Boise and I said, what's the latest ones? Because it was already midday. I said, well, Seattle's got a couple. So that's option. Uh, Portland's got one. Like. So just to kind of see what could even be possible. So yeah, getting familiar with your airlines network and really getting familiar with other airlines network is always going to help you out. I mean, some of that's going to take time, but just knowing hubs and where they're located and a little bit of geography. I know some people are challenged when it comes to that stuff. He looked at Lauren when he said, yeah, that. I know because only <laughs> flight attendants are. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it takes some time to look at the map, but once you start looking at the map, it's like, all right, well, what cities are in between where I am and where I want to be and start looking at those. I was trying to help someone get from Atlanta to New York. And this is her very first non-rev trip oh. and bless her heart. She was like, I'm going to try it for the first flight tomorrow, which is smart. It was a Thursday. And I looked at it for, I was like, you're going to need more than a miracle. So I wouldn't <laughs> even try to get on this flight. So I just immediately went through the system and showed her some ways that she can look at the other routes. And we found her a route that actually went through Chelsea's airport. Oh, okay. Chelsea's airport, yeah. So nice. she flew there. They were wide open. She managed to get to New York easy. So got to do a little bit of digging. And that's all about the flexibility piece of non-roaming. Just you got to do what you got to do. When we were in Dallas and we were sitting at the table at the um, was a food hall. Yeah. And when you guys were trying to figure out how to get back home, yeah, oh, yeah. I was like, I felt very comfortable because I'm with my people, people that <laughs> I can relate to. And it, for me, it was when you said, do you have your passport? Yeah. <laughs> and when you said that, I was like, oh gosh. <laughs> Here it comes. <laughs> Here it comes. Come on, let's do it. Because I my passport's like my best friend. It stays with me at all times. So I'm yeah. not afraid to use it either. Yeah. You got to get creative. Yeah, we almost did that. Yeah, we almost went through Cabo to get Cabo. Four yeah. and four. I was like, it's only two of us. That's all it takes. You have to be creative, especially when you have a little bit of a larger family. Like, It's going to be a challenge to move around, but you got to be willing to split up. There are a lot of Facebook pages for the airlines that I can fly on that I follow. And just yesterday, I was answering some people's questions. And this one lady, she's like, hey, I'm out of Atlanta do you think that it's completely off the table that I would be able to take a weekend with me and my family of four? And I told her, it's like, it's totally possible. Don't give up hope just because you know that it's a busy travel season. It's totally possible. Said you may have to split your family up or you may have to have some kind of backup plan, but it's absolutely possible. A lot of times it's just a roll of the dice, but you got to show up to the airport first. Yeah. That's sometimes just showing up. 
there was a trip was it last week up to utah Salt Lake, and i was like we're not even gonna try like i was to the point where i was like we're not even gonna try and we were like eight and nine 10 on the list there's three seats open i was like and then a few more open and i said let's just go like just like we packed up and left in like 20 minutes and we all got on like it is just 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 trying so yeah my parents were trying to go to las vegas and the flights look horrible the entire day but i continue to watch them because it looked like potentially they wouldn't be able to make the very last flight of the night and at some point just pack your bags and be ready when i tell you you need to go to the airport go to the airport looking bad looking bad but after i told them that i refreshed the screen and 16 seats magically opened yeah so they had some held seats that opened up and now we get to the airport and what looked like a disaster actually turned out to be a success. Yeah. So you, you really have to be flexible and you got to pay attention to what's going on. Yeah. Just, just get out there and try. So, well, I have good news. We're ending this episode, but we're going to go have tacos and then we're going to be back next week with Rico. So come be back for some more trips and tips and things. So thanks for being with us this week. Thanks again for inviting and coming me. all the way from Atlanta. Yeah, it's fun in the middle of the heat so that part not so fun but it's okay <laughs> but as this comes out Lars in dublin so i'll be cold cold should yeah, be nice like should be beautiful 55. Like that's, that's gonna be June. really nice yeah, yeah. oh it should be so not 55 55. it'll be nice. oh that's sweater weather for sure is that 55 i feel like it should be hot it, yeah june should be higher than that oh, it'll be take a sweater it'll be perfect Just yeah sure. yeah and a rejected I went in, I think, around it was either April or May last year, and it was still a little chilly enough that I wore a jacket, but yeah, by the time you go, I think should be really nice. oh, We went okay. in July. We, we, had, we had a little jacket, a little sweatshirt, but that was perfect. Bring earmuffs yeah. and gloves, too. Just in case. That's because you don't have any extra fat on you. So bulk it's, up. It's all go. muscle. <laughs> Thank you. All right, thanks. All right, well, we'll see you next week. Hey, everyone. Please stay safe. All right, bye. This has been Non-Rev Lounge. This episode was sponsored by Staff Traveler, which is the number one app to get your non-rev loads. It is used by over 400,000 people from all airlines in the world and built to make your non-rev trips easy and stress-free. Sign up now for free at stafftraveler.com forward slash non-rev lounge. I've just been kind of concentrating on Ireland, which is stupid because I come back on the tour ends June 8th and then the next tour starts July 8th. So it's a long story, but I thought, you know, I only do one. So I signed up for Ireland and then my cousins, they were going to Brazil and I thought it'd be kind of fun to go with them. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a couple times. I've been three times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've never been there. Yeah. I really like Rio. I've been there twice. I'm going there. And I went to Sao Paulo once, but... Because it's not a great trip. My cousin got really sick, so he was in the hospital, and I stayed in the hospital with him. What did he get sick from? He didn't get sick there. Okay, I thought you were telling me he ate something, so I was not going to eat, like, octopus. Not at all, no. Their food's really good, too. He lives in Las Vegas, and someone put him on a buddy pass, which is kind of crazy, right? All the way to Brazil. So he flew from Las Vegas, I think, to JFK, and then came down to Brazil. But he had like a mini stroke before oh, he left the States oh. and it wasn't really recognizable. He was just really sick. So it progressively got worse. And here we are in Brazil. Like, Did he have a real full stroke then in, in Brazil? No, it just got worse to the point where he was like really dizzy and he couldn't stand up for really long periods of time and stuff. So, what um, are those little ones called ooh. TIs? It, yeah, I forget exactly what it was, but it's like in the backside of his head and it doesn't present itself the same way that normal strokes do. Yeah. So paralysis on the side. And it was really odd because it was one of the best hospitals in Brazil, thank goodness. But the only people that spoke English were doctors. The nurses, none of them spoke English. And then they had some kind of like hospital representatives that spoke a little bit. Uh Yeah. It was weird. Oh, that's too bad. And I speak some, so. Yeah. But that would be tough. This is like life stuff that you want to know what's going on and to communicate with that'd be hard. We had a guy have a stroke on the they thought it was a stroke lot on my last flight to London, which is why I didn't get a chance to talk to Rob Schneider. Oh, man.